Hello and welcome to Platforms for Future. This podcast is about building and scaling B2B platform ventures to help you to accelerate and de-risk your journey with practical tips and insights. In our conversations, we talk to founders, executives, and experts uncovering what they experienced and learned building their ventures. But we also cover new trends like ecosystem strategies, IoT and data platforms, Web3 and sustainability. This podcast is complementary to our Platform Innovation Kit toolset and the Platform Academy, where you can find more tools and learning opportunities for you and your team. For more information, please visit platforminnovationkit.com. And now, enjoy today's conversation. Hello, everybody, to a new episode of our podcast, Platforms for Future. And uh, I have my lovely co-host, Natalie, with me. Hi, Natalie. Hi, Matthias. And Natalie, today we have a very nice guest. Um, we have Alessandro Pistillo. He is Director of Digital Strategic Projects at BASF. So a very big and traditional company. And uh, we will talk with him about ecosystems and having a positive impact to the environment and to the society. Um, not just about platforms, but really having a really... A game-changing impact for our environment. So I'm really, really looking forward to this conversation. Hello, Alessandro. Welcome to our podcast. Hello. Hello, Matthias. Hi, Natalie. I'm very pleased to be here um, and be part of your uh, podcast series. Thank you uh, for joining. So yeah, we are also very pleased to have you. Um, could you give maybe a quick introduction about yourself and also maybe a little bit about BASF uh, to our listeners? I'm sure they know about BASF or they have heard about it, but yeah, maybe something special, what makes BASF so special and yeah, a little bit more background, a little bit more context for our listeners. Sure. Uh, my pleasure. Uh, so first of all, about myself. So um, I have started my career in the meantime, 20 years ago uh, in BSF um, and uh, I have got the opportunity to to do many things and learn and grow through many roles and functions. I was working also in different uh, geographies. Um, I am basically rather a no-rounder uh, in the company. And uh, uh, since three years, uh, uh, a bit more than that, uh, part of a corporate strategy and corporate strategy department. And I'm driving basically digital innovation and, and digital initiatives. Um, and for a role as such, uh, you need to be a person who really enjoys uh, to, uh, to, to be in a transformative environment and, uh, and uh, leave a, a legacy of change in, in businesses or in, in culture and strategies of the company. Uh, so that's about me um, and uh, professionally uh, and about uh, the company, of course. Uh, you said BSF is a company which is tend to be very well known indeed. Um, it's the, the leading, uh, world-leading chemical company, um, a very big company with uh, 110,000 employees uh, working uh, globally and uh, uh, with 10% uh, um, of them working in research and development. I mean, I mean quite an innovation focus, 2 billion euros uh, spent in innovation every year. Um, and uh, I mean, I, I think um, chemicals, unfortunately, uh, are not always 
in a, in a nice pot uh, in general public. Uh, but in fact, uh, chemicals are very natural things. I mean, chemicals are all around us and everything what we touch and everything what is part of the material world is made out of chemicals. And uh, uh, you can hardly name everyday items um, where uh, there is nothing, uh, no chemical inside, which may not be have been produced by BSF. And where BSF is providing his uh, his contribution, yeah. So from food ingredients to detergents, uh, cosmetics, uh, toothpastes, right, uh, paints, adhesives, even pharmaceuticals, uh, agricultural solution, plastics, batteries. I mean, you name it. So uh, almost everything is made of chemicals, and uh, a lot of uh, BSF products in it. Um, the Copra Moto BSF is we create chemistry for a sustainable future. It was coined uh, a while back, but it's really as relevant as, an, as ever. And this is basically the link of the topic that uh, um, we will touch today. Um, BSF has uh, um, an important role in, in driving uh, decarbonization. Um, in in our in our industry and in in our society, in order to fight against uh, climate change, um, and uh, this topic, uh, I mean, fighting climate change is something which cannot be honestly addressed by a company alone. It's not something, not even that a single nation can approach alone, and uh, and not even a single industry. And here, and that's the link to, to your podcast, I think, it's uh, you need to really harness the power of business ecosystems in order to uh, come to terms with this dramatic challenge, which will transform the chemical industry, but which will transform uh, the world as well. Uh, BSF has developed a, a pioneering solution um, to uh, determine um, the carbon footprint of products, and perhaps I can explain later what the carbon footprint is. And uh, we are bringing this solution into the market via uh, business ecosystems. Thank you for providing this uh, this kind of context. And before we jump into this uh, this topic in detail about uh, your 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 carbon footprint calculator and so on, um, you pointed it out right. So. As BASF, you have a unique position in the market or a unique position in the ecosystem as a very huge enabler. So all of your products are used in different kind of end customer products, but also B2B products and so on. So you have a huge impact to all of kind of things. So uh, the position you have is you can easily influence all kinds of ecosystems we see emerging at the moment. And I like your point that you said you cannot tackle the problem of sustainability alone. You need to uh, work together with other ones. So how do you see this um, um, working together with others, so forming an alliance to tackle this uh, problem? Is this also something you at BASF started or uh, how, how do you approach this? Absolutely, uh, Matthias. Then, uh, um, yeah, we will definitely get into this topic because it's it's the central part of uh, of uh, of this 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 idea or this 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 uh, new business model, basically. Um, but um, 
starting with your uh, first uh, comment, um, uh, the positioning of the chemical industry. Um, it's not a, a coincidence that uh, the chemical industry is sometimes mentioned as the mother of all industry because it's so networked with uh, all other industry verticals, right? And uh, uh, um, the chemical industry in itself is alone um, a heavy an energy intensive industry, right? And being an energy intensive industry, it has a road also a significant impact on the carbon footprint and the greenhouse gas emissions. Uh, roughly 6% of the global greenhouse gases emissions are coming from the chemical industry. But uh, more than that, um, someone took the, uh, the chance to, to estimate that 95% of all manufactured goods uh, are touched by chemical products. So at some point of time, no matter which type of uh, consumer product you are considering, if you want to determine the carbon footprint um, and the, the basically the emission impact uh, of that particular uh, product, consumer product in, 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 in general, you need to um, get information about the carbon footprint of a chemical raw material which can be used to manufacture that item. And um, so um, this eventually leads, most of the cases, to a customer asking perhaps BSF or other chemical companies about the carbon footprint data of uh, one of the many products that we produce. Um, so that's definitely um, to give uh, an importance of the, of, of, uh, of the positioning of the chemical industry. And uh, um, yes, it's not sufficient that BSF now as a super powerful tool to calculate carbon footprint for its own product. And then uh, everybody else uh, either has no chance to do it uh, right now or um, is calculating product carbon footprint with uh, different methodologies or, or, or different, uh, different assumptions. Because then what happens? Happens that uh, um, um, if everybody starts to calculate carbon footprint with different uh, methodologies, um, then there is no way you can have a consistent standard and a consistent so-called carbon accounting and no way you can determine the carbon footprint of a final product that we as consumer buy, uh, like, a, uh, like a, let's say, a toothpaste. Uh, and i just give you a, an, an example. Now, um, today, uh, I mean, you, me, so many people would like to buy uh, perhaps climate consciously, right? And you would like to, you would be ready even to pay more for a, for a product which uh, um, uh, you recognize being good for the environment, right? Rather than, than another one on the same aisle of the supermarket. But today, uh, sadly so, uh, there is no way you can really calculate consistently the carbon footprint of a toothpaste because either you don't have the data, huh? so there is not sufficient data available on all the ingredients of the toothpaste, or uh, there is no shared standard to calculate the carbon footprint of each ingredient in the same way. So then you have a mixed bag of apples and oranges and people do not know how to, uh, how to calculate the total in the end in a consistent fashion. And that was motivated us to um, bring our solution into the market um, 
um, to drive also standardization and uh, uh, drive now uh, a common way to determine and calculate carbon footprint for products and ultimately consumer items. So, Alessandro, if I understood correctly, the sparking point was, uh, or one of the sparking points was the demand from uh, all the product manufacturers who themselves wanted to calculate the carbon footprint of their products, of which you were an element, um, which then made you realize that, so you had to, to, to first set up your own methodology to calculate on your own product. And then you realized that indeed you were, uh, when you were giving back that data, it was you were giving back to apples or you give, were giving back to oranges, but not necessarily, uh, you know, the data you were providing were non, was not necessarily used in the same methodology and the same way. So you decided to provide a consistent methodology to go further than your own product. Did I get that right? Is, yeah, is that- but uh, I would say that uh, um, um, we did... Um, Uh, two major things uh, in the first phase of our journey, right? Uh, First of all was to defining um, a more prescriptive methodology uh, to calculate carbon footprints um, uh, in order to ensure uh, reproducibility and comparability of results. And on the other side, also as a second thing, we developed a highly efficient digital solution which calculates at once in a flow, uh, fully consistently and automated in automated fashion, 45,000 carbon footprint or the carbon footprint of all of our 45,000 products in less than one, one hour. So that's what we did. And uh, we could have decided to keep this solution for us and this methodology for us, but it would have not helped to address the topic that you were you were mentioning before. So we said. Uh, why not bring our digital solution, a calculation technology into the market, which is needed as a tool, of course, but then even more so by uh, distributing such a solution, we can also foster uh, a common standard for calculation of carbon footprint. So that leads me, I guess, to the question that if it's kind of um, uh, your offering to to, to, to companies who are already who have already got some methodologies, I guess you're offering a consistent uh, uh, methodology. Um, but how do you actually manage? How did you manage to convince and build this ecosystem to adapt and accept your methodology? Because maybe they had already their own. Um, so how did you go about this? Yeah, um, that's, that's a, of course, a, a good question. Um, first of all, um, unfortunately so, sadly so, Natalie, um, it's not that uh, every company has uh, clearly uh, a methodology right now yeah. to calculate. That's, uh, that would be <laughs> too, too good to be true. <laughs> um, and uh, um, so there is, in general... Um, uh, the uh, desire also to uh, to have uh, alignment on standards, and we have uh, um, we have uh, um, uh, consortia, for example, um, um, industry associations and uh, cross industry association that work on this thing on this topic, and uh, and we as BSF uh, as part of this uh, this uh, uh, large consortia 
are bringing in now our uh, solution, digital solution, but also our methodology and uh, uh, based on and use this methodology as a, a basis for an alignment and fully endorsed uh, and aligned methodology for the entire industry. That's what they're currently doing, for example, uh, to get, so to say, a full endorsement and uh, um, a full buy-in by the entire ecosystem of the entire industry um, of the uh, calculation methodology. On the other side, um, we must be, we must also say that uh, in terms of uh, trust and legitimacy, it helps that the BSF uh, has an excellent reputation in, in, in its industry with, with uh, more than 25 years experience in, uh, in so-called so life cycle assessments. Um, and uh, the methodology that we have developed uh, for um, in the tool and then it's embedded in the tool um, has been also certified by independent uh, certifying company um, in our case was uh, Tooth uh, Rhineland, um, which is verifying and confirming independently that our methodology is fully in line with uh, um, the relevant ISO standards. Now, you could say, why are not using the ISO standards to calculate the product cover footprint? And the problem of the ISO standard is it's too generic. It has been built to cover all possible um, and, and thinkable uh, manufacturing processes so it's too broad meshed. So you need something much more prescriptive in order to have something which works um, for a digital calculation and works uh, um, in, to generate also consistent results for, for chemical products, for example. So um, this joint approach of uh, providing a tangible solution to the need for tools, a tangible solution to the need for a methodology, and also a work together in this consortia, and we are uh, addressing this issue of uh, legitimacy or uh, uh, buy-in, which is uh, behind uh, every um, every standard setting. And you know, speed is also important. Um, how are standards built and uh, and established? Also, they also establish and build. Uh, uh, depending also how, how fast and quick you are to bring such standards into the market. Think about uh, what happened also um, with uh, uh, the famous VHS and Betamax uh, story in the past, right? Speed is always also very important. Yeah, Alejandro, a fantastic outline, fantastic context explaining why you have approached this and how you approach this. And uh, it really resonates a lot with me. Uh, the, there are multiple aspects we would like to go a little bit deeper into them. Um, one is about your strategic approach to this and your strategy, how to roll it out. And on the other side, also maybe about talking about trust and legitimacy as a key ingredient for building ecosystems. So I'm sure Natalie also wants to talk about this one because it's her favorite topic. Yeah, um, it's my favorite, right? <laughs> and, um, but maybe coming First, to the point of the strategy, and um, as we always said, we 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 have invented the platform value stack, which is a, a multiple layer kind of strategic uh, understanding of how to build platforms. And top layer is about engagement, so you bring supply demand together. In the middle, you have the intelligence layer where you analyze, where you rely on the data you collect, and the 
base layer is about infrastructure you provide. And my understanding about your strategy is that you start, let's say, a little bit like bottom to the top. So you build up an infrastructure everybody can use, which is your calculator. The calculator is based on a lot of data. You mentioned 45,000 of product data or other data you can pull in. So you can create a lot of with this data, but you build, you create this kind of calculator as an infrastructure everybody can use. It's a little bit like an operating system approach here for the whole industry or for multiple industries. So they can use it and then based on that, they can calculate. So it provides an infrastructure for the thing. So my question would be, how do you see also a platform model evolve in the next year? So say, okay, we started base, but now what comes next? Mm -hmm. Um, that's a that's a good uh, way to uh, to picture uh, um, the the way now platforms are, are built and structured. Um, let me try to uh, to give my uh, my perspective here. Um, and obviously, uh, where we stand, it's uh, the beginning of a journey, right? So uh, there are many developments which will be coming um, on this topic in the next years. Um, so um, we have developed, let's say, an infrastructure indeed. Um, the infrastructure, you could say, is combined, uh, combining uh, uh, a methodology, which we are basically bringing forward also in association and consortia to get final endorsement, um, and, and the tool, right, to calculate, right? So that's, that's part of the infrastructure. With this infrastructure, you can generate data. Right, a um, lot of data. Then this data needs to be exchanged, right, um, among uh, actors in the in the value chain. Because um, taking again the example of uh, of the of the toothpaste or anything, right? You um, uh, if you want to get the carbon footprint of the final consumer item, you need to have uh, every single. Uh, raw material or uh, or intermediate material supplier in the value chain to pass on their data to the next customer in the value chain and this customer to their customer and so on and so forth until you get to the toothpaste manufacturer, right? So you need to have data creation, generation, and data exchange. Now, this, this layer of data exchange and, and data, um, which you could say is a data platform, is something which uh, is uh, does not exist yet, right? This is something that uh, um, is, uh, however, um, surely gonna be developed in the in the next uh, year, or couple of years, or, or, or longer, right? So this uh, data platform layer is where, for example, now typically not a single company, but this consortia was I was mentioning before, are. Um, are working on, right? So developing now um, a data platform layer where all these data are coming and then uh, are exchanged. So there is already value uh, um, in the interaction of exchanging data here, right? So that could be a basic interaction in this platform. But then, um, and that's on that one, there is still um, um, a lot to, to be also invented and created. Think about Having such a data platform, how many things you could do with this data, right? You could uh, 
optimize things. Uh, you could uh, you could benchmark things and perhaps have some even added value uh, uh, services uh, built on top of this uh, data layer, where um, where um, other participant ecosystems can uh, um, generate totally new business models. We um, we can go into a direction of what is called now um, Web3, right? So into the direction of a decentralized uh, data platform, which then um, on, on top of which you can create some, some new businesses and uh, some new business model. Um, honestly, we are not quite there, right? So we are still at this infrastructure level. Um, but uh, um, there are already quite a number of uh, initiatives um, which are uh, in going to this direction. And we are at BSF as part of this. Indeed, if I talk about my, my uh, favorite topic, as Matthias says, the trust and legitimacy, I think it's an interesting way uh, that you've gone uh, uh, to, to tackle, that you've used to tackle this because you're actually starting from um uh a standardization and 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 of course legitimated by your own experience in life cycle management and also about your tools for carbon footprint calculation but then you're actually not really building the platform until you have the ecosystem adopting that uh standardization which kind of legitimates uh automatically if i can say it like this uh the to be created, the platform to be created jointly by the ecosystem. So I find that very interesting. And I, I think uh, um, uh, we've had many discussions uh, already on this. I think uh, the, the, the next, you know, the difference between people or companies building their own platforms and, and ecosystems building platforms, uh, it's more complicated. Uh, it's longer term, but it's, the next thing I think, and it totally uh, supports and tackles this trust and legitimacy uh, element. Yeah, and and let me add something on top of this, Natalie. Indeed, um, even bringing uh, the infrastructure into the market, right? So this tool into the market is something that we are doing already harnessing the power of, a, of, a, of an ecosystem. Um, we are not bringing this solution alone into the market, this digital tool alone into the market. We thought, uh, which is much better to approach uh, uh, this uh, in an ecosystem fashion by um, now uh, licensing uh, our IP, licensing our, our tool to um, a number of uh, software companies, so software partners, um, which are now independently of BSF, then bringing this uh, solution into the market, even further developing it um, to other companies interested, other chemical companies or companies in other industry interested in utilizing this same tool and this same uh, methodology to calculate carbon footprint for their own products. Um, why we did not enter the market as BSF, but via these ecosystem partners, uh, the reason um, are mainly two. One is speed, right? Uh, um, we are not software company and will never be, right? As a BSF, uh, at least not in, a, um, in a, a short time frame, at least, right? So 
um, with leveraging now the competencies of companies which are in this space and can bring very quickly and act as a multiplier um, and bring this solution into the market uh, simultaneously is something that you can achieve only via this ecosystem approach and not by going alone. And so speed is one item, one element of, uh, of the decision. And the second topic is also, um, I would say, the data ownership uh, um, uh, um, reason, and which is very tied into this legit legitimacy or let's say this trust issue. Um, you, you can imagine, uh, for, in order to calculate the product cover footprint, you need to access to very company sensitive data. Yeah, so like uh, the recipes, the recipe of production, yeah, which is something that no company will be willing to share with with others that easily and that freely, and rightly so. Um, now, can you imagine now BSF coming to these companies and say, "Look, uh, we help you out to implement this tool in your company, and then we get in touch with such sensitive data." First of all, it would be even illegal in some in some in some uh, in some circumstances. But this type of uh, um, uh, data transparency is something that will not be uh, uh, will never be materializing in that sense. So um, having now an ecosystem partner bring as a solution independent of BSF into the market fully eliminates this problem of uh, lack of trust and of. Uh, um, data confidentiality and data privacy, because every company will be on its own in generating its own data and generating transparency in their own portfolio. And every company will decide by itself which data will then be shared on the data layer, right, later on. So um, um, summarizing this ecosystem approach um, is uh, on one side accelerating, speed, right? And on the other side is a, a way to address uh, this uh, trust topic. Dear listeners, I hope you enjoy our podcast and you can learn more about building and scaling a successful platform business. I'm Matthias, CEO of Fastbreak One. And as you know, we at Fastbreak One are platform entrepreneurs by heart. Since over 20 years, we are building new platforms and this makes us one of the most experienced platform venture builders around the globe. If you are a corporate and you tried out different strategies, consultants, IT partners, but your platform initiative struggles to scale, please check out our assessment services. For example, we work closely together with a leading insurance company who tried to establish a platform for two years, but the results were below expectations and the risk to fail was very high. Within one month, we helped them to understand the bottlenecks and created a step-by-step -step plan to scale. Today, we are working very closely with the company and the platform became a market leader. Yes, we are no consultants. We are entrepreneurs and we love to share the risk and go full in in building new platform ventures. Learn more about our experience and our practices of work at our website www.fastbreak.one or send us an email to contact at fastbreak.one. And now let's go back to the conversation. Yeah, I think the whole approach here you you show and you applied in the last years absolutely makes sense. And it clearly shows the difference between a kind of an ego way of thinking and an eco way of thinking and acting. So first it started with 
recognizing that you can't change everything by yourself. Uh, so you need other ones to join. Um, second is you need to build trust between the parties. So you need to build also provide infrastructure uh, that, that everybody can really exchange, talk about the same thing. So you're building kind of a standard and uh, you also bring in your strengths. So you say, as you said, you're not a software development company, not now. Uh, so your strength is in other areas. So everybody should bring in his strengths um, to, to build and form and shape this ecosystem. So I really, really like it. Um, but also maybe to be really honest, what is what is maybe the, also the motivation of BASF? So of course we are living in a world where each company also needs to think about um, his position in the market, his position as a company you need to. So, so what is also maybe a motivation uh, of BASF to, to go into this direction? Or what kind of maybe benefits you hope are there for BASF? Yeah, um, I think we should not neglect uh, um, the, um, and actually that's the primary reason why we, we kicked this off, um, of, of a driving standardization. Um, it's important, um, it's, it's important to have a, a clarity on the competition rules, so to say. When you, when, you, when you compete in the market and the market should always be competitive, and you want that uh, uh, the way now uh, the competition uh, takes place is uh, at least predicted. Uh, I mean, you can be creative with the way that you act in the market, but the rules should be clear and uh, should not be now uh, tweaked here and there, depending on what is uh, your benefit, right? So um, having now spent so much uh, uh, work in defining a standard and then keep it for yourself and not trying to uh, bring this as into the into the market as a, as a standard which applies to everybody, it simplifies a lot the way you can act then into the market later on, right? So driving standardization um, as a value in itself um, and standard, why, I mean, driving standardization in product carbon footprint and determination, you must say, well, that's well, not so important, but uh, very soon, and actually for some companies already now, um, carbon footprint will be an important uh, um, procurement or purchasing criteria. So um, products will not be bought only based on price, uh, performance, and, and, and other quality features, um, but uh, will also be bought uh, now based on some of, of this uh, 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 element or, or this this KPI, which is uh, what is the climate impact of this product. So having clarity and standardization on this level is fundamental, and that's a great value, huge value for us. With that being said, um, having also recognizably developed a tool, yeah, which is uh, um, pioneering and uh, other company needs and want, um, and by licensing now this product into the market, you can also uh, generate uh, tangible value also out of it, right? So um, because uh, uh, suddenly uh, the intellectual property that you have created also um, is not now uh, uh, there and idling, right? But also generating value in itself, right? So as, a, as an income. Now, this is definitely not 
is what was not the, our primary concern and our um, primary reason why we start kick this off. But uh, that's also a, a, an, an, an aspect which brings also benefits to BSF as well. But yes. not only to us, to all the other users in the in the ecosystem, because you need to find that all the sides of the ecosystem have a benefit out of the whole thing, right? And we can get into that later if you want. But indeed, uh, uh, again, I was thinking uh, when I earlier I was talking about trust and legitimacy, I was thinking about trust and legitimacy of the platform itself. But in fact, what I'm understanding here is that you're the, the, one of the reasons you need that platform and that standardization is to actually also legitimate yourself uh, and and whatever information you're going to give about your products and the fact that it has to be credible and reliable. So it's interesting to see it that way too. Yes, uh, I, I, exactly that. Exactly that. yourself and the other members of the ecosystem. So, so the, this legitimacy will also be a, a benefit for the other ecosystem players. But are there other benefits that the the players in the ecosystem will find beyond this legitimacy, uh, thanks to the standardization? Uh, well, uh, uh, for sure. I mean, um, you know that. Uh, uh, an ecosystem can, or a platform, whatever, right? It can only work if uh, um, uh, there is a benefit from joining uh, to all all players, right? Uh, now, uh, the nice thing of ecosystems and and, and and platforms is the fact of being multi-sided, right? Um, which enables to create value in, uh, in many more ways than in a pipeline business. Um, on the other side, um, it's much more complicated to uh, assess because then you need to take every possible perspective, right, to have every single player in the ecosystem. And uh, now let's, uh, let's take the ecosystem as of today, yeah, is made by, um, let's say, different actors. You could say the other manufacturing companies or other chemical companies or other companies in other industries. This is one uh, actor. Another actor are software companies, which are collaborating, partnering with us to bring the solution into the market. So the, the software houses. Um, but then we also, also quite a number of consulting companies and, and, and both specialize in sustainability or, 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 or rather or generic uh, strategic consulting companies. And uh, now um, the value for a manufacturing company to join the ecosystem is uh, um, well, it's relatively straightforward. Um, they have a they have a need for a state of the art tool, right, to calculate and create transparency on their own uh, carbon footprint, on their own portfolio, and have a, a better capability to understand what drives emission and how you can reduce them, right? So, um, having a tool um, that uh, have these features and these benefits as a value for a, for a manufacturer in itself. Plus, as a manufacturer sharing uh, a standard as the same value as it is it has for us, right? So it's said for, for BSF, right? Having clear rules uh, of the game uh, uh, lined up. And then uh, software company, right? Software companies say, see great value in the, in, in the carbonization, right? Uh, trends. And, uh, and the software partners that are partnering with us see uh, uh, 
can profit from a, a drop-in solution, which has been developed by us for our for our industry and is perfectly suited to our industry. And then they can bring into the market um, um, and uh, and uh, uh, leverage also our brand recognition and our recognition as a company, our legitimacy, and bring this solution into the market uh, and uh, and 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 penetrate a, a promising new segment. Uh, of uh, um, of the software space and uh, um, consultants, right? Uh, um, this uh, lifecycle assessment consultants can also expand um, um, thanks to uh, endorsement by 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 BSF or by by our um, our, our the other manufacturer or the um, this association I was I, I was uh, mentioning before. They can also uh, have the possibility to expand uh, uh, their footprint uh, in the chemical industry and in other industries as well, right? So there is uh, um, uh, there is benefits on all these three actors um, in um, in this uh, um, in this uh, nucleus of the ecosystems. And uh, uh, the nice thing of the ecosystem is it evolves, right? And it has a, a life in itself. Um, and who knows how many other benefits uh, and how many other new business models can be created on top of this ecosystem, especially when the data layer will be there. And then on this data layer, you can uh, generate now additional services and value. Yeah, very good point. I think you need to keep it open for the ecosystem itself to figure out what the what what are the most valuable use cases and how they can use it and so on. So being more open and being open as a as an ecosystem is really really important and looking again looking at your your approach and um, it looks like a blueprint you can give other ones to build up uh, this kind of an ecosystem but i'm also sure on your journey from maybe in the last two or three years, um, uh, you learned a lot. You learned a lot about uh, what went well, what went not so well. Maybe you can also give some one or two points you witnessed and you learned and you would recommend others to avoid because we are always um, asked by people, by companies, hey, we want to approach this ecosystem thinking. We want to build up ecosystems. Uh, we know we have to form alliances with other ones, but it feels... Uh, not that easy. Um, are there any kind of best practices we can use? What, what is so important to form an alliance to build up an ecosystem? Maybe you can share some kind of one or two major learnings you went through. What you would say you would like to maybe you would uh, do different uh, compared to two or three years ago. Yeah, that's uh, you always uh, um, you always learn, right? And uh, you. There's always things that, uh, uh, after looking back, you are satisfied of, uh, uh, and uh, things that you you may have done better. Um, let's perhaps uh, st stay on the positive side first. Um, um, we are definitely satisfied with the with the speed, um, both in the development phase of the tool, which was pretty internal, right, and uh, um, in the um, uh, in the go-to-market of the tool, uh, leveraging then this ecosystem of partnership I was uh, I was describing before. Um, so we went into the market as pioneering. So um, nothing to be said. So definitely uh, 
um, can only congratulate to the colleagues uh, and and our team members which which were working on on this. Uh, um, it's great what has been achieved, um, and um, I mean the key ingredient there for success has been um, the tight collaboration and which is behind also agile development, right? So to have end to end collaboration of uh, uh, different uh, departments, uh, um, so um, not different silos, but people brought together into a task force and uh, and capable to um, address in an interdisciplinary way um, uh, uh, the topic. I mean, building a carbon, foot, a carbon footprint calculation tool entail for us bringing together in one team people just to say from people from sustainability, right? Department, people from the IT organization, people from the accounting. Yeah, you would not think about, but people from finance and accounting, super important here. And people from procurement. So functions that you may, they may not be, have been cooperating every day uh, in the past, but for this product, bring, for this developing this product, bringing all together was fundamental. Um, and uh, working in an agile way was yeah, fundamental in that sense. Um, um, another fundamental ingredient was, as always for transformation, was, uh, um, um, and you heard also in other uh, podcasts in the series, um, top management support, right? Um, if you don't have this, um, um, it's difficult to drive transformative projects through uh, uh, among now the several priorities that you always have. So you need to have someone who supports and that the CEO of our company was fully supportive from day one in these activities, um, assigning high priority to the topic, uh, despite the uncertainties and, and the unsettling circumstances of the pandemic crisis. I mean, our tool was developed in an agile way during the first shutdown uh, period, if you think about. Uh, um, and um, so these are important ingredients. So collaboration, um, interdisciplinary collaboration, agile work, and, uh, and top management support. Um, uh, in the uh, go-to-market, again, speed, collaboration, again, collaboration with other companies which can uh, join forces and bring their own competencies, so the software companies. So we manage basically to bring the company, the product into the market in uh, three months, right? Um, with uh, with uh, software companies which have already a distribution network of uh, people who are capable to build software, uh, to distribute software. And, uh, and it was possible to... Uh, bring with uh, uh, um, word speed the product into the market, right? Um, but there are also things that we learned, of course. Eh? There are things that uh, um, you may want to know uh, that may not have gone as good as, uh, as um, uh, they could have gone. So thank you, um, uh, Alessandro. So maybe I you can continue and explain a bit more about uh, also the major learnings you, when, uh, you had or major yeah, failures maybe others could avoid. Sure. I mean, one thing that is uh, is always uh, uh, should always be top of mind is uh, um, ensure that you are uh, not uh, 
too complicated, right? That uh, you uh, slice the scope and the project uh, into um, into a, a manageable scope uh, and a, and a manageable uh, uh, product. Now it's like a minimum viable product could be or a minimum viable scope. Uh, in, in our case, uh, um, we took a very ambitious uh, uh, approach to roll out this solution, this tool globally in all uh, in all business at once, right? Um, I mean, for us, it adds some uh, uh, justification because um, most of our um, uh, major manufacturing site are, all right, our major manufacturing site are highly integrated uh, um, manufacturing networks where all many businesses are involved all together. So it makes made sense for us to um, have a more holistic and, and broader approach from day one. But what we recommend, for example, now, to companies uh, now embracing the tool and um, and the solution uh, new is um, perhaps to have uh, a reduced scope to start, right? Roll it out this first and then uh, scale uh, uh, later. So um, a minimum viable scope, so to say, uh, approach. So that's uh, um, one of the learnings and, and I think one of the recommendations as well. Um, and then... Uh, um, uh, another thing, we developed the tool as an internal tool, right? Um, and we developed it um, without thinking that we would have wanted to bring it to the market later. Now, um, if you develop solutions for internal use, you um, you document things and you show things in a different way than what you would do if you would know uh, early that you want to bring it to the market. This, of course, brought some 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 uh, uh, um, issues in the end, right? Uh, for us, uh, we managed to cope with it. But uh, um, I think that uh, um, whenever you develop something, thinking that this can be also externalizable, right? Um, is uh, I think a learning that uh, um, is important for us and, uh, and it, sh it should be important for everybody. I, if I'm not mistaken, is one of the um, um, mantras of uh, Jeff Bezos in Amazon, right? Um, uh, to have an um, externalizable application all the time, right? So this type of uh, uh, of learning is is very important. I mean, we are probably not as uh, experienced as Amazon in the, in the platform business, right? But uh, um, we will definitely learn out of this. Um, and uh, now, and I mean, what is a recommendation? Learning for my for myself, right? And uh, and then what is a, um, a recommendation um, that uh, I would I could give to other uh, people interested in launching platform uh, business models and so on and so forth. Um, is always look outside of uh, of the boundaries of your company, right? Um, and uh, um, but simple. But then always look at uh, which type of partnership can help you to boost one of the following three things: scale, scope, and speed. So 
um, boosting scales copper speed should be someone which so should be uh, the the criteria which uh, um, help you to identify the right partners uh, to build the ecosystem. And last but not least, especially if you are um, working in a, a, I mean launching launching your own business and a startup, but uh, also in a corporate world, uh, in order to uh, launch solution like this and develop path platforms, um, you definitely need to be fearless. So that's uh, also an important uh, feature that uh, uh, you need to uh, you need to have definitely. Oh, wow. Um, thank you very much for the, all of those learnings. Um, yeah, fantastic. I can, I can, I, 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 yeah, as you can see, uh, and maybe here or not here, I don't really have so much to comment here because I really like the approach you applied here. And I'm really also surprised to hear that from a very traditional uh, incumbent company like BASF. So the, the whole approach you applied here is really fantastic. And I'm really, really looking forward to, um, yeah, more, Uh, try to follow your your activities and follow what are the outcomes over the next years as um, yeah and thank you Alessandro for joining our podcast uh, fantastic learnings and fantastic journey you went through a fantastic product you are building and it's really should be definitely a blueprint and we will try to uh, socialize it as, as best as we can with the world and uh, so that others can also follow your journey and follow your approach thank you very much for joining Thank you, Matthias. Uh, it was uh, and Natalie. It was a pleasure uh, to be here and uh, also fun. Uh, and uh, all the best to you and uh, uh, with your also next uh, podcast in the series. And we'll be happy to meet you again with uh, the developments in uh, uh, perhaps a couple of years down the line. Thank you very much, Alessandro. It was very uh, a very interesting uh, uh, learning and journey uh, you took. Uh, very atypical i find those thank you thank you thank you very much and um yeah looking forward to see, see you again thank you very much bye thank you bye bye